Good morning, Cathedral of Faith. Can we all stand to our feet? Come on, somebody shout hallelujah!
praise. Somebody give thanks for the name of Jesus. I don't know what you came in need of here today, but I know that it's here in Jesus' name. I don't know if you've come for healing. I don't know if you've come for encouragement. I don't know if you come for a word or come to belong or come to get a, a word of the future, Lord, but I know that it's in Jesus' name, whatever we have need of. Come on, somebody lift your hand up heavenward in this moment. Father God, we call upon the name of the Lord and we just believe that we're not here to pass the time. We're not here just to have a good time. We're here to be in your presence, to find purpose, to be reconciled, to be reminded that we belong to you and that you are here among us. Father God, we call upon your name in this moment. God, people all around this area, people that are in this room, in this amphitheater, they're in that parking lot, they need a word from you. And I pray, Lord, that they would find that the same spirit that has risen Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and well in them in this moment, God. And I believe that you're going to resurrect our dreams. You're going to reconcile and redeem our past. And you're going to set us on course for a future that only you could be the author of. We thank you that we get, we get to be a part of this story. We get to be a part of your gospel. We get to be a part of the good news. We love you. We bless you. And all of God's people shouted in this moment. Amen and amen. Come on, one time right now. Can we just direct all honor and all glory unto the king? All praise belongs to him. All glory, all honor is due unto him. We love you, Lord. Your name, yes, Lord. 
family, I invite you to take the elements, hold them in your hands. We're on a journey from ashes to beauty. And as we come to the Lord's table, boy, victory is in the air. I hope you can sense it in your spirit. I'm rising up out of the ashes. I'm rising up. Say that with me. I'm rising up. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you've done for us. We are so grateful. And as we come to the table, this, is, this represents you, your work, your presence, your power, your love. And so as we eat and drink today, we eat and drink in faith, bringing the ashes of our lives to you in exchange for your beauty. Let's eat of the bread of Christ. And as you eat, receive the beauty that he has for you. Thank you, Lord. Let's drink of the cup of Christ. And as we drink, drink in. Let it fill your heart. Drink in the beauty that he has for us. Thank you, Lord. Now I invite you to say the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. It's the most important prayer we'll ever pray. The Our Father. Would you say it with me? Our Father, who art in heaven... Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him praise. Oh, it's so great to see everybody here on site, whether you're outside with me, over in the parking lot. Hello to all those folks in the drive-in, those who are inside, and of course, our online campuses and campuses around the Bay Area. So glad to have you joining with us today on this journey. God is good and all the time. Well, and we are moving from ashes to beauty, but... So before you're seated, would you look at somebody and tell them, I'm rising up. Go ahead and do that. I'm rising up. Let it get in your spirit. Amen. Welcome, Cathedral family. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. We have a lot going on, so let's jump into it. Welcome to all our first-time visitors. If you are a first-time visitor, scan the QR code that you see, text a number, or visit one of our team members after service. We would love to connect with you. We have a lot going on this Easter season. Check out events and service time on our Easter page or at cathedraloffaith.org and click on Easter. I want to highlight one special event that's going on this Easter season, the movie showing of the most reluctant convert. The dramatic true story of C.S. Lewis' journey from committed atheist to a reluctant believer. You don't want to miss this movie. Showtime is Friday, April the 8th at 7.30 p.m. in the Horton Youth Center. Purchase your tickets online on our Easter page. There will be popcorn available at our concession stand, so make sure you come early to grab your seat. Well, Cathedral family, that wraps up our announcements for today. We would love for you to stay connected with us during the week. 
either. Just follow us on all of our social media platforms. Check out our website or call the office for more information or questions that you may have. Well, we are a church where the love is definitely lived out. Until next time, Cathedral family. Thank you, Anquisha. She helps to lead our children's ministry. Thank you for giving us an update. And wow, I am so excited about this season. You know, they're talking about March Madness. Around the cathedral, we have Messiah Madness. We get so excited about Jesus, and Holy Week is right around the corner. So glad to have you here with us today. As we prepare to, to give, um, I just wanted to give you an update. Thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, my brother and I were over in Italy. It was a short trip, but it was a super meaningful trip. And we found out how Cathedral is making an impact over in Italy, and especially in regards to the Ukraine relief. I had a chance to, to preach uh, a couple of times. We met with some of the key ministry leaders that are doing such great work all across Italy. Um, and then, most of all, we had a chance to meet with some of the refugees, one of the families in particular, that we've been able to help. And as you can see right over here, you have the mom and you have the daughter and then you have the granddaughter. The mom was already living in Naples, um, but through Italy for Christ and their work at the border, they were able to get the daughter and granddaughter out of Ukraine safely down to Naples where she's reunited with her mom. Her husband is still serving in Kiev. And so she wanted to tell Cathedral of Faith. And I got to tell you, this just, uh, this just, just crushed me. She just, she wanted to say how grateful she was. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The idea that people all the way in America would care about her and her little daughter and help them get to safety. Thank you, Cathedral of Faith. Can we give God praise? Amen. It just, I was wrecked. And just to date, we've been able to give over $57,000 to the Ukraine relief. Can we give it up to God for that? Way to go, Cathedral. Way to go, man. And again, we were able to see in person the difference that's making and how they're shipping containers of food uh, right there to the border and then helping to facilitate people to come from the border and live there in Italy, and we're a part of that. And we're also finding out that there's more and more impact of Cathedral in Italy. In fact, they show our television program on a station there, Italian station, in the morning and at night. And in the morning, they say there's a large NATO base, 70,000 people near Naples, and they're getting a lot of reports that those people are watching Cathedral of Faith. And then in the evening, the Italians are kicking in. And so I've got to learn, can you say buongiorno? There we go. Somebody help me out. But it's amazing. And again, because of your faithfulness, us being able to go and make a difference, not only here in the Bay Area, but around the world, thank you so much for all that you're doing. Father, as we give today, I pray that you would, whether it's online, whether it's texting, whether it's through the app, or whether it's after service, I pray for the finances of the people here at Cathedral of Faith. 
I pray that you would make them a target of your favor. I pray that you would give them ideas, concepts, and insights. I pray that you would bless everything that they set their hands to. God, I pray that you would give them ever-increasing positions of influence so that we can be a greater blessing to the world around us, not just the Bay Area, but God, as you're opening up more and more doors in, in Europe and beyond, Father, help this church to continue to be a flagship for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray this. All God's people said, amen, amen, amen and amen. Well, we're on this journey from ashes to beauty, and wow, Dr. Wayne has such a powerful message for you. Would you give him a great big welcome as he comes, Dr. Wayne? All right, ashes to beauty, amen? Let's all stand together and honor the reading of God's word. We're gonna go through a lot of scriptures today. If you've got your Bible, hold on to it, open up to the passages, underline, and write some notes there because I believe God wants to speak to us about some of the ashes we've settled for and the beauty that he has for us. We're gonna take a look, first of all, at a parable that Jesus taught. This is one that he shared with his disciples that we read in Luke chapter 18. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Why did he write this parable? That they would always pray and not give up. Let's say that together one more time. Always pray and not give up. Jesus said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with her plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, the judge refused. But finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Remember, this parable was told that we would always pray and never give up. It's so easy to settle for less than what God intends. But this parable is given to us so that we would not settle. Don't settle. Say that with me. Don't settle. And Lord, I just pray that where some of us have let dreams die, where some of us feel overwhelmed by circumstances and we've given up, where some of us have settled short of what you have for us, awaken something today in our hearts and spirits. Some of us may be reminded of things that we put to rest decades ago, but you're not finished. You don't want us to settle short of all that you have prepared for us. I pray that faith would rise, hope would rise, dreams would rise, beauty would rise in us this day as you come and help us to keep on praying and never give up. 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give God thanks and praise. As you're seated, I want you to get a big smile on your face, turn to two or three people and say, don't settle. When you hear a sermon, sometimes there are three points to a sermon, sometimes four points to a sermon, sometimes five, six, seven, eight, 99 points. There's only one point this weekend. I'm going to hit this one point over and over because it's the truth of this passage. And here is what the one point is to this message. Don't settle for less than God's promised best. Let's say that together. Don't settle for less than God's promised best. I don't know about you, but there are still dreams in my heart that haven't come to pass. There are still people in my life who need a breakthrough, who need Christ. There's still frustrations I deal with that haven't been resolved. There are still issues I press through. There are still provisions I need. There's still injustices that bother me. I don't know if any of you are in the same boat, but there are still things that aren't what they ought to be yet. And this message helps us in that journey where we feel incomplete so that we don't settle for less than God's best. Let me go back through this story for a minute. There's a widow who comes to the door and she knocks. And the judge says, Hello, who is it? She says, I'm a widow, I need your help. He's like, do you have some money? Because in those days, judges were pretty corrupt. She's like, no, I don't have any money, that's why I'm here. And he says, well, do I know you? And she's like, no, you don't know me, but I have a need. And he's like, well, does somebody I know send you? Nope, nobody I know, I just, I need help, I'm a widow. He's like, go away, and off she goes. The next day, A knock at the door once again. Who is it? It's me, the widow. He's like, I told you yesterday, go away. She's like, you didn't even hear my story. And he's like, if I want a story, I'll go to the library, get out of here. And off she went. The next day, knock, knock. Who is it? It's the widow. He's like, don't you know I'm a judge? I can get a restraining order, get out of here. And off she goes. The next day, he's like, I know who it is. And this story was told because she kept coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming until finally the judge gave in. And Jesus says here, if an unjust judge who doesn't care about God or anybody else will give in, how much more will God who loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you, how much more will he respond when you ask and keep on asking? I want to give you the definition, one of the definitions of the word rattle. You'll see it up on the screen and here's what it says. To make a rapid succession of short, sharp noises. And then you see a sentence using it. She rattled the door until he answered. She just kept rattling. Instead of settling, she kept rattling. And Kenneth just giving up and saying, oh, well, he doesn't want to help me. She kept on rattling the door until finally the judge gave in. And again, the message here is keep praying and don't give up. I think it's real easy for some of us to get comfortable We believed at one time, maybe this will happen. It's like, well, it's too late. I'm too old. It's taken too long. 
I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not something else. But the purpose of this passage is don't settle for less than God's promised best. Let me take you to another story in scripture that helps us understand this. Romans chapter four, we read this about Abraham. It says, the promise is received by faith. So every promise God gives to us, we receive by faith. It is given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. Abraham's the father of our faith. In other words, he gives us examples of what this looks like. Now, we're gonna go through a bunch of scriptures today, and I hope that as you hear the word of the Lord, something will rise in you. Here's what we read about Abraham in the book of Genesis. It says, the Lord God said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land that I will show you, this promised land that I have for you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So God gave Abraham a promise. I'm gonna give you uh, this promised land. You're gonna go in. You're gonna be a blessing. I'm gonna bless you. Great things are gonna happen. And indeed, that's what took place. The promise that God gave Abram came about. In fact, the writer of Hebrews, thousands of years later, describes it like this. It says, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went. By faith he made his home in the promised land. He was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered God faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. God gave a promise to Abraham and Sarah. And even though they had aged significantly, God fulfilled that in the promised land. But you know, the other day I was reading this passage of scripture, and I'm gonna get a little Bible school professor-ish on you here right now. Let me just open up your eyes to something. You know, when the Bible was originally given, there were no chapters and verses. God wasn't up there saying, okay, Moses, chapter 11, and now chapter 12, and now chapter... No, originally they were just complete documents, histories, epistles. It wasn't until a little over a thousand years ago, that somebody went through and said, you know, it might be easier to find verses if we put chapters. And then another hundred years later, they said, let's put verses, that'll make it even easier. So in the original Bible, there's no chapters and verses. That's not inspired by God. That's just somebody helping us know where to find stuff. With that being said, Genesis chapter 12 is where God calls Abram to go to the promised land. If you just go the verses right in front of that at the end of 11, again, there was no chapter division there, it sets the context for God's promise to Abram. In fact, let's look at chapter 11 in Genesis right before that. It says, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. 
And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Now Sarah was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to where? To Canaan, to the promised land. So God had led Terah, Abraham's father, to go to the promised land. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Instead of going all the way to the promise, Terah settled there in the city of Haran. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Now, let me sort of unpack this. We don't know all the details, but he set out to go to the promised land. His son Haran died, and then he got to a city with the same name as his son who died. Like, oh, look, we're in Haran. But instead of going into the promised land, Terah stayed there. He settled there. On the way to the fulfillment of God's promise, Terah settled. He settled. And I want that to stir something in us today. Maybe it's a dream you have forgotten about for decades. Maybe it's something you just gave up on this week. But God says, don't settle for less than my intended best. And you know, even though Abraham then took the torch, he heard the call, he went to the promised land his, never, his dad never got to. Even Abraham struggled with settling. In fact, a few chapters later, we're gonna read a portion where God had appeared to Abraham. He says, you're gonna have a son. So he's like, well, my wife's barren. What do I do? He ended up with Ishmael through the maidservant Hagar. And so he's raising Ishmael. He loves Ishmael. He's poured into Ishmael. But then in chapter seven of Genesis, here's what God says. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. As for Sarai, your wife, you'll no longer call her Sarai. She'll be called Sarah. And then this is where he tells them you'll no longer be Abram, but Abraham. And he says, I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. <laughs> Abraham fell face down and he laughed and said to himself, really? Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will. She still will bear you a son and you'll call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. My covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. And when he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. So here's the point. Abraham loved Ishmael. He poured into Ishmael for 13 years. He thought that was all it was. And God's like, no, no, no. There's a bigger promise than you realize. 
And did you hear what Abraham said? Can't my Ishmael stand before you? Can't Ishmael live? He was wanting to settle for less than the miracle. Like that widow who kept knocking, he was like, well, you know, God, Ishmael's pretty cool. I mean, I don't like this job, but at least it's a job. You know, I I don't like this situation, but hey, you know. Let's look at the next definition of rattle. The first one was the lady rattling on the door. The second definition of rattle is to chatter incessantly. He rattled on and on and on. And that's what Abraham did. He kept rattling. Oh God, you know, just let it be this way. But finally, in the course of that dialogue back and forth of all that rattle, God spoke to him and said, no, I have a promise. And Abraham's like, don't you realize how old I am? I'm a hundred. What hundred year old guy wants to raise a kid? My wife, she's 90, really? We're gonna put her through that? Can my Ishmael live? But here's the truth to understand about wherever you are in your journey. Circumstances don't matter. Say that with me. Circumstances don't matter. In fact, say that to the person next to you. Circumstances don't matter. I don't care if you didn't graduate. I don't care if he left you. I don't care if there's not enough right now. I don't care that it looks overwhelming. God says don't settle for less than my promised best. Let's go back to that one point again today. It's the only point of the sermon. Don't settle for less than God's promised best. Say it again. Don't settle for less than God's promised best. Where have you been settling? Where have you just give up and said, oh, I guess it's not in the cards for me. Uh, you know, if it was gonna happen, it would have happened by now. Now, since we have a judge in the story, let's, let's talk legal for a minute. People sometimes settle a case before it goes to court. In fact, settling a case means ending a dispute before the end of a trial. Before the trial's over, in fact, 80 to 92% of people settle out of court. Why? It's too much work. It takes too much time. But look, don't you settle before God does what he wants to do. Don't let Ishmael be enough. Don't let knocking one time and getting rejected be enough. Keep on pressing. Don't settle. In fact, if you've got your phones, I encourage you to take a picture of the next screen. Here's what it says. Settling is a decision we make when we put our faith in ourselves. Let me say that again. Settling is a decision we make when we put our faith in ourselves. When we settle for Haran instead of promised land, when we settle for one knock instead of keep knocking, then we're trusting ourselves. We have faith in us rather than in God. Okay, we've got a widow who keeps rattling. We got Abraham who keeps rattling on. Let me share another story with you from the New Testament. This is in the Gospel of John, after Jesus is resurrected and the disciples are sort of discouraged because they're not sure what's happening, here's what it says. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, the other disciples said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, hey, have you caught any fish? No, they replied, and then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net 
because there were so many fish in it. There were 153 large fish, yet the net hadn't been torn. So here's disciples. They'd been fishing all night long. Now, those of you who've been to Holy Land might recognize this is the demo they did at the Sea of Galilee. And in fact, if you're interested in going to Holy Land in September, we have four spots left. We'd love to have you join us. Here's what would happen. All night long, the disciples would take their nets, cast them out, and get caught on their coat. <laughs> um, so they would, all night long, you'd hear the rattle of the nets. They would take those nets, they would pull them in, they would toss them out, time after time after time. And then finally in the morning, they were exhausted. They'd fished all night. Jesus says, throw it on the other side. I'm sure they're thinking, dude, we're fishermen. I mean, they couldn't see who it was. They didn't know it was Jesus. Like, who's this guy telling us one more time? But you know what happened? They threw it out. 153 fish came in. So heavy, they could barely pull it in. Let me give you the next definition of rattle. The next definition says this, a device that produces a rattle. The nets rattled over the edge of the boat. So not only did she rattle at the door, not only did Abraham rattle over these excuses and finally hear from God, sometimes it's one more cast. You might think, Jesus, I've been casting all my life. I've been believing for so long. Nothing's happened yet. But the word of the Lord today is, don't settle for less than God's promised best. One more time, let's say that. Don't settle for less than God's intended best. Now, you might be thinking, okay, I don't understand this. I mean, really? I just had to keep begging and begging till God hears? You know, this persistence in asking isn't about God. It's about us. Because when I'm asking, when I'm praying, when I'm calling out to God, my focus is on him, not my circumstances. When I'm not calling on him, I'm focusing on what I don't have rather than what God does have. I'm focusing on what I can do versus what God can do. But when I start to call out, when I start to pray persistently and keep on knocking and keep on rattling at the door, it's for me to keep my focus in the right place until the answer does come. To keep on praying persistently. Amen. Let's give God praise for that. In Colossians chapter 4, we read these words by the Apostle Paul. He says, be persistent in prayer and keep alert. Give thanks. What if the lady only knocked once? What if Abraham said, you know, I'm happy with this male? There would have been no Isaac and Jacob. What if the disciples wouldn't have thrown it one more time? They were to come home with empty nets. That's what I want to say to you. Keep knocking. Keep rattling. Keep believing for what God has for you. You've got to keep on praying. In fact, time to pull your cameras out again. Here's the next slide. If you're not praying, you're settling. Let me say that again. If you're not praying, then you've settled. And if you are settling, then you're not praying. So I can tell whether you've settled or not is how you're praying. And it's interesting to me sometimes. Because I'll say, hey, how can I be praying for you? And people are like, mm, I don't know. I'm like, okay, if you don't know what you're believing for, how am I supposed to pray with you? 
What is it you've settled for? What are the people who need transformation in your life? What are the circumstances that need a breakthrough? What are the provisions? What are the frustrations, the injustices? What are the dreams and promises that haven't come to pass yet? So that when somebody says, how can I pray for you? It's like, this is what I'm believing for. Here's the problem. Like Abraham, we can have the same question. God, can't my Ishmael live? Abraham was so attached to Ishmael. He loved him. He cared for him. He had poured into him. He's like, God, can't Ishmael survive? And God's like, no, no, no. I've got Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and I've got the people of God yet to come, but it haven't happened yet because you've got to believe for what I can do. Don't say, well, at least it's a job. Uh, well, at least I don't have well, maybe I'm old, not old enough. Maybe, I mean, maybe I'm too old. Maybe I'm not, you know, when you've settled, there's lots of maybes that show up in our conversation. But here's what Jesus says to us. He says, ask, and it'll be given to you. And the original says, keep on asking. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. God's calling us to be persistent and don't settle. Maybe you gave up on that person. Maybe you gave up on that provision. Maybe you gave up on that dream. And God's saying today, don't settle for less than the promise I have for you. I want to take those ashes and turn them into beauty. Okay, camera time again. Here's the next slide. It says, the great tragedy is not unanswered prayer. It's unasked prayer. It's not that God hasn't answered yet. It's just you haven't been asking. You know, I think some of us think, oh God, would you help my son? And then for the next five years, all you do is complain about your son to everybody else. That's not praying. That's gossip. Or somebody says, oh, would you pray for me, my husband? We, we just want, I want us to be restored. And then for the next 20 years, all you do is complain about what he doesn't do and what he isn't. That's gossip. That's not praying. Praying is when you talk to Jesus, when you bring your request before him. In fact, in James chapter four, it says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. Don't come asking me. I mean, I'll agree with you, but God says, don't just complain to everybody around you. I'm amazed sometimes. I sort of quit watching Facebook posts because like, well, She's just complaining all the time about what she doesn't have. You know, if you want to look at what life was like in the book of Acts, the early church, Acts chapter one says this, they continued what? They continued daily in prayer. It wasn't like, oh, let's pray Sunday mornings before and after service. No, no, daily they pressed in, they prayed, they kept on praying, they prayed for their families, they prayed for one another, they prayed for healing, they prayed for the sick, they prayed for the community, they prayed for God to break through, they prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit, they daily prayed. That's not just like a daily habit because, well, I guess I'm a Christian, I should pray today. It's like, no, God, there's things I'm longing for. There's things I believe that are in promised land and I'm only in a Haran and I don't want to settle here. I don't want to give up on what you've promised to me. That's why, again, back to the first story of the widow in Luke 18, she kept on coming with her plea. Let's say that together. She kept on coming to him with her plea. She kept on doing it. Now, I know as Americans, we think, well, we have a right to do what we want, when we want, and how we want. It's up to us. Now, the Bible's pretty clear. In Psalm chapter 18, 
David gives us an idea of what praying is like. It says, I call to the Lord. I what? I call to the Lord and I, I what? I cried to my God for help. He heard my voice. My, my cry came before him. You know, I think there is a place for nice reverent worship, speaking to God. But the Bible's pretty clear. Sometimes Oh God, if you don't show up, if you don't provide, if you don't do a miracle, God, I need your work in my life. I need you to break through in their marriage. I need you to bring healing in that life. I need you to convict this person. There's a place for crying out that is incredibly biblical. When's the last time you went beyond the whisper? I don't know about you, but my voice tends to get higher and louder when I, it was really important to me. And if your voice never gets higher and louder when you pray, maybe it's not that important. Maybe you've settled. Again, let's go back to the early church. Acts chapter four, it says, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. I know you're American. You think, oh, I can do it the way I want. But you know, the Bible has a standard. It's about calling out. In fact, let's go back to that parable that we read at the beginning in Luke 18. Here's what Jesus says at the end. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who what? Who cry out to him day and night. There's a place for us when we come together like this to cry out to God. There's a place for us in our personal altars, in our commute time. Say, oh God, I need you to turn these ashes to beauty. Okay, camera time again. Let's go to the next slide. It says, the reason many of us give up too soon is that we feel like we have failed if God doesn't answer our prayer immediately. That isn't failure. The only way you can fail is to settle, to settle and stop praying. Don't give up. Keep on praying. Never give up. Because here's why. Amen. Here's why we don't give up. Prayers are prophecies. Prayers are prophecies. Here's what that means. Whatever you're praying for today, it's what you're gonna have tomorrow. You're prophesying about your life. If you say, oh, nothing ever works for me, you just prophesied, because it's not gonna work for you. Oh, I'm too old. You just prophesied. Yeah, you just get old there, buddy. No, our prayers are prophecies about what's happening. So if I were to go through next to you all day long and hear what you're praying for, what would I think you're prophesying in your life? God, I just declare you're gonna break through. You're gonna bring healing. You're gonna bring provision. Your word says you can do all things. Let's go back to the whole purpose of this parable. The parable was told for this reason. We ought to pray and never give up. Say that again. We ought to pray and never give up. Last week, we had such a powerful service. Pastor Shelley did a phenomenal job of bringing the word of the Lord to us. Amen? This whole series of believing for beauty from ashes. But sometimes we can have an encounter like last week, and it's like, nothing changed this week. It's like, well, sometimes God does do a miracle and it turns around immediately. And I've actually heard some of those stories. But sometimes we've got to remember, I've got to keep on knocking. I've got to keep on rattling that door. I've got to keep on crying out to God. I have to keep on. Why? 
Next camera shot. You are only one prayer away from a dream fulfilled, a promise kept, a miracle performed, one prayer away from beauty, one prayer away. What if the disciples didn't throw the net one more time? What if Abraham let Ishmael live and forgot about Isaac? What if the widow would have only knocked once? I wanna share a story with you about my mom's mom, my grandmother, Leah. She was an amazing woman of God. She bore 15 children, only 12 lived, but 12 was enough. She had a house full, and I don't remember ever being there without people everywhere in this little three-bedroom house. People slept all over the place. And she had a daily routine. She'd get up and make breakfast to whoever was around. A lot of people lived close, so they would stop there on the way to work, and there'd be breakfast for anywhere from 10 to 30 people in the morning. She'd make breakfast. Once she had her biscuits and hamburger gravy and everything all made and cleaned up, off she would go to her bedroom. Now, my grandma Leah was only 4'10". She was a tiny thing. She never weighed more than 90 pounds unless she was pregnant again. But after she finished dishes from breakfast, she went into her bedroom and closed the door. And no matter where you were in the house, you could hear her. She called out for all 12 of her kids. She called out for their spouses. She called out for the grandkids. There were over 100 people she prayed for out loud. And I just remember the kids sitting in the living room hearing her pray for me. It was just such a powerful thing. And she'd go through and pray over them one by one. And when, as soon as she finished praying, she'd go back in the kitchen, make lunch for whoever was gonna be there. We'd have this great lunch around the table and all over the porch and every place we can fit. And as soon as dishes were done, she was back in her bedroom. Oh God, touch Johnny, touch Frida, touch. You know, she'd go through each one of them. She'd finish praying. It was time to go and fix dinner for everybody who's gonna be there. And so she'd fix this huge dinner. And as soon as the dishes were cleaned, she was back in her bed. Three times a day, anytime I stayed at that house, I could hear her praying over her kids, her in-law, her daughters-in-law, sons-in-law, her cousins, and anything else that the Lord had put on her heart. She prayed and prayed and prayed. Well, when she was 91, Leah went to be with the Lord. But the week before she died, she called all of her kids in. And she's like, I just want you to know, I don't know how much longer I'm gonna be here on earth, but you know I've prayed for you every day of your life. And I want you to know that even though I'm gonna be gone, God still answers prayers. God's still at work. I want you to know those prayers are still happening. My mom's oldest brother, Johnny, uh, I'm gonna blow some of your fantasies right now about the Christmas story movie. He actually did shoot his eye out with a BB when he was a kid. And as a result, he was always angry and bitter at God. And even though his mother prayed for him every day, he wanted nothing to do with God, with Jesus, with the church. 20 years after she died, he was 91. And he lived in this little community, and you know, at 91, he was a little too old to cut the grass. So he had a neighbor boy who was in middle school who would come and cut his grass every week for free. And so this little boy came over and cut his grass. And one day, it was actually about the same time as right now. It was the week before Palm Sunday. This little boy came and said, Mr. John, I, I, my church told me I need to invite somebody to come to church on Palm Sunday. And I was wondering, would you go with me to church on Palm Sunday? 
And my uncle John was thinking, oh, that's the last thing I want to do is go to church. But he's like, this guy cuts my grass for free every week. I should probably go with him. So he's like, yeah, I'll be there. And the son, the young boy said, my dad will pick you up. You can go to church with him the next Sunday. And so the next Sunday, Palm Sunday, he went into church for the first time in decades. And the pastor began to preach and to share the word of the Lord. And at the end of the service, the pastor said, I believe there's somebody here who needs to ask Jesus to come into their heart. I'm going to ask you to come forward. And weeks later, my uncle Johnny told us, he said, all I could hear was my mom praying for me in the other room every day. God, touch Johnny. Draw Johnny to you. Let Johnny know you love him. And that day, 91-year-old Johnny made his way down an aisle and received Jesus. The next Sunday, which was Resurrection Sunday, Easter, Uncle Johnny got baptized in water. Hallelujah. Ten days later, he went to be with the Lord. I think the power of that is don't settle. In the book of Hebrews, we read about a whole bunch of people who had faith. And here's what it says about them in Hebrews 11, 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. My grandmother was living by faith when she died. And maybe you won't see all of it today, but keep on knocking, keep on believing, keep on trusting for what God has for you. One final story to underline this one point. It comes from the book of Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, we read these words. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of dead bones. Then God caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry, dead bones. And God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, Oh, Lord God, you alone know. Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over. But there was no breath in them. Then God told me to call to the wind and say, the Lord God says, come from the four winds, O Spirit, and breathe upon these slain bodies that they may live again. So I prophesied as God commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Here was a valley full of ashes, bones, death, and God speaks to Ezekiel, and gives them a command. I don't know what has died in your life, what promise you gave up on, what you've settled for, 
God wants to let you know he's got more. Don't give up on that person. Don't give up on that provision. Don't give up on that situation. Don't give up. Don't settle for less than God's intended best. He can take what seems impossible and do amazing miracles. Where is it you're pressing in? Where is it that you need to keep asking? Where is it that you need to keep knocking? Where is it that you need to keep rattling on that door? Let's go through that scene again. In fact, tech team, can you help me out? I I don't think people wanna be looking at dead bones. So there's four scenes here. Scene one, say that with me, scene one. Scene one is this, death, dead bones, dry bones, nothing happening. Then scene two, say scene two. Scene two is he says the word of God. He speaks the truth. He declares the truth over them. Let's go, scene three. Say scene three. Scene three is the spirit of God comes and begins to fill them. And as we have death, we have the word of God, the spirit of God. Scene four, say scene four. Scene four is life, it's beauty, it's resurrection power, it's God doing miracles. And that's what I believe God wants to do for us today. He wants to resurrect dead things. He wants to resurrect places where we've quit believing. He wants to resurrect his power and his strength in us. I don't care what it is you struggled with. I don't care how long it's been. I don't care what your maybe is. Maybe I'm too old. Maybe it's not an, I'm not enough. Maybe it can't happen. Maybe I waited too long. Whatever your maybe is, God says, I want you to know You're just the word of God and spirit of God away from a a fulfilled promise. We had three definitions of rattle. Here's the fourth one. The fourth one says this, rattle, to cause to make a rattling sound. And here's a sentence. This is the sound of dry bones rattling. I want you to know something here. You are only the word of God and the spirit of God away from a fulfilled promise. Let me say that a second time. You're only the word of God and the spirit of God away from a fulfilled promise. Let me say it a third time. You are only the word of God and the spirit of God away from a fulfilled promise. The bones are beginning to rattle. Where you think there's death, where you feel like there's no hope, God says, I'm not finished yet. I've got more. Keep trusting me. And Lord, I just pray right now, awaken our eyes to dreams that we've laid to rest. Awaken faith in our hearts for people we've given up on. That marriage is not impossible. That provision is not impossible. Those ashes are not the banner over our lives. It's ashes on the way to beauty. And so we keep rattling at the door. God, we cry out to you. We keep rattling before you with our voice. Lord, please come and do what only you can do. We keep rattling our nets one more time, even though we've caught nothing, because we know that you are the one who brings life where there's death and beauty where there's ashes. Let's receive the word of the Lord as the worship team leads us. If you're believing for a miracle today, we just invite you to stand up in this moment. Let's lock into this moment, Cathedral of Faith. Come on, if you believe in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, a little bit louder, say hallelujah. 
surely it was through But since when has impossible ever stopped you? Friday's disappointment Is Sunday's empty too? But since when has impossible ever stopped you?
I don't know how many of you have ever been fishing, but fishers don't jump in the boat. They don't just like, oh, let's get in that boat so that we can go home and be eaten. Now what happens is you cast out your rod, you're in this dimension in the boat, and the fish are in their dimension, the water. And things don't come from one dimension to the other very easily. You gotta pull, you gotta reel, you gotta work so that, that fish doesn't say, oh yeah. And in one sense, the promises God has for you are in another spiritual dimension. And sometimes you've got to pull and you've got to fight and you've got to wrestle to say, God, I'm believing that you're going to bring that promise into my dimension, into my life, into this moment in my life. So don't settle. Amen? Raimondo, don't settle. Crescenzio, don't settle. Rick, Crystal, don't settle. Yolanda, don't settle. Laura, don't settle. Don't settle for less than God's promised best. May that be the testimony and statement over you as we walk through this series and get ready for Palm Sunday and Resurrection Sunday. I wanna encourage you following service. If you need prayer, our prayer team will be here in the front of the sanctuary and in front of the amphitheater to pray with you. But I also wanna invite you to a special I Am Encounter experience. Our staff has been praying for you. In fact, by the time you finish this experience, you're gonna actually take out a promise that one of the pastors has prayed over you. In the chapel, we've set up these seven stations of an interactive encounter with Jesus. And I wanna encourage you to go through there, take your time, let the Lord speak to you and work in you. We're believing that the word of the Lord, it's not just a good sermon series, Ashes to Beauty, it's the reality of what God wants for you. And part of it may be spending time in there following service today and following service next week. I do encourage you though, if you have children, go get them first before you go over there. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. Let me speak God's blessing on you. May the God who makes dead bones into exceeding armies. May the God who says, throw the net one more time. May the God who gives 100 year olds a new son. May the God who turns ashes to beauty give you hope and faith and strength today that as you rattle on that door in prayer this week as you rattle those nets one more time that you too will hear the sound of dry bones rattling as the word of the Lord brings life to you and to the promises he's made in your life in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit we pray amen and amen God bless you we love you